The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. the rail of sports on the voice america network i'm in phoenix living like it matters what matters to me wow well i'll tell you what matters to me because yesterday was dr king's holiday and i didn't get a chance to to pay you know homage to him for all he's done in my life and so many other people and one thing i want to say i want everybody in the world to know dr king's holiday is not a holiday just for black people only it's a holiday for the world to celebrate because dr king made things better and sacrificed his life not just for Black men and black women, but for all men and all women. He wanted all children to be able to come together and get together and have a good time, to be citizens of good, decent citizens of whatever country you belong to, whatever your religion was, the freedom to practice your religion, the, the, the opportunity to live happily ever after, you know, life, liberty, house, white picket fence, whatever school you wanted to go to, whatever profession you wanted to pursue, you know, wanted people to respect you for not the color of your skin, but the content of your character. And I hope you are people of good character because I certainly try to do the best that I possibly can every day. Good Lord Jesus is still working on me. You may be believing another God. I hope he's working on you because nobody's perfect. But I just want to say that. So in honor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., you know, a man that I, I just love and respect so much. Remember now, I got a little bit of age on me. I got, fit, I got a little bit of gray. I got a little salt and pepper. So I was on this earth when Dr. King got killed. So I, I know the story. So I just want to truly pay homage to him. And again, <laughs> my character, man. Okay? So we're going to have a moment of silence here. All right. I have a dream. And my dream is one day that I will have an opportunity to do this, to sit in the studios and have friends from all over the world have an opportunity to listen to what I have to say and to bring some special people into the studio with me, people that know a little bit more or maybe even a lot more in this particular case than I do. And so today I'm going to be joined. I'm in studio with a friend. I got another friend who's going to be calling in, Spence the Wizard, who knows everything about football. And we're going to talk a whole lot about football. So first, I want to welcome in the studios with me today my friend, my new friend, Zig Ziglar. Zig, how you doing, man? I'm doing fabulous today, Rex. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm, I'm glad that, that you had a chance to, to come into the studios. And for those of you who, who don't know Zig, Zig, there's a website where they can find out a whole lot about you. Go ahead and share what that website is. They can visit my website at, at zigziglar.net. That's Z-I-G-Z-I-E-G-L-E-R.net. 
uh, on that website. I share a lot of different stories about my experiences with professional athletes that I've worked with over the years. My profession is I work as a sports kinesiologist. Say, I, say that again, kinesiologist. Say, just say that again. I like that word. Kinesiologist. <laughs> Go ahead and tell them and, and tell people what you do because some people don't know what you do. Well, that's 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 very interesting. A lot of people come to the conclusion when they hear the word kinesiologist, uh, they're not sure if it's chiropractic care or some other type of of, uh, of science uh, related to medicine. But essentially, kinesiologists work with the human body as it relates to how the body moves. So in terms of working with an athlete, some experts, some professional trainers, so to speak, and athletic trainers focus on rehabbing, improving sports performance by addressing the strengths and weaknesses of the athlete uh, as it relates to specific variables. My emphasis is I focus on how the body moves and functions from the ground up because every single joint muscle in the body has a specific job to do. And if the body doesn't, each one of those muscles and joints doesn't do its job, then there's an overload somewhere, and that's where injury occurs. Well, and, you know, that's extremely important because, you know, I know myself as an athlete, you know, whenever there was something that was wrong with me, you know, and if I wasn't 100%, what you always did is, is somehow or another – you would put a, a greater emphasis on another part of body to make up for the weakness, oh. you know, and and then that only calls perhaps maybe double injuries, which is isn't always good, you know. If you got a bad hand, you know, you're not going to use both hands; you're only going to use one. So now it's putting more stress and more pressure on this one hand. Same thing with an ankle or foot; you'll try to jump or you'll try to hop or or do whatever you have to do, particularly with a shoulder, you know. And a shoulder, in my case, you know, shoulder a lot of times could cause a problem with the neck because now you got the shoulder, you're trying to, you know, cover up for the shoulder, got the neck in the wrong position, try to use the wrong shoulder. You know, there's even a, there's even a, a technique that we call wrong shoulder, you mm. know, and taking on a block or something of that nature. So I can certainly appreciate that. But, again, I, I, like I said earlier in our conversation, Zig, you know, let's talk about the science because the mm. science which your profession has allowed, I believe, in my opinion, for the profession to improve and, and, and therefore the services that you're able to provide for players in terms of assisting them with, with prevention of injuries, first of all, Absolutely. but certainly the recovery of injuries. So as, as technology played a, a huge part in that in terms of some of the equipment and, and just some of the science behind the, the recovery process? Well, technology is extremely important. And what you just described a moment ago as you talked about compensating for an existing injury or pain or discomfort that you might have. One of the things that technology has allowed us to do, and I'm, I've been fortunate enough to be on the forefront, I spent the last 12 years researching using motion capture technology, which is the same technology they use to make video games. The biggest difference is I use that technology, and I, there's data that comes out of that motion capture hardware. So I take that data, and I analyze that data, and I use that data to identify where those compensations are and what you what those compensations might be pointing towards. So you might be, we might look at you and say, hey, you're compensating for pain that you've got in your shoulder, and that's going to contribute to some of the pain that you might have tomorrow in your neck. A lot of times we wake up in the morning and we say things like, gosh, you know what, I, I got this, I'm a little stiff in my neck today. I think I slept wrong. It's not that you slept wrong. You slept the way you always do. But typically what happens is you did something the day before or the, in the days leading up to that particular incident that contributed to you having neck pain all of a sudden one day. So that science, that technology, it really allows us to put the athletes, so to speak, under the microscope so we can really identify what I call the root cause of 
uh, that might be affecting their sports performance and that might contribute to injuries that they might have. And, and I can just tell you this, Dick, and I'm, I'm sure you can attribute that to, to, to what I'm about to say as well, is psychologically that plays in a player's mind. You know, I, I remember, I always tell the story, when I first came to Arizona, played in the uh, Fiesta Bowl here, you know, it was, um, you know, one of my first times ever playing, well, well, it was the first time ever playing in this stadium, but it was a grass stadium. So, you know, I came out with anticipating I was going to wear one shoe, mm. and because we had a coach that, I don't want to mention his name, Earl Bruce, <laughs> must have got a deal with, with Nike. I would say now I had to wear these Nike shoes on grass. And psychologically, I'm thinking I don't have the shoes on that I'm comfortable with. So, therefore, I might go out there thinking one way, should be concentrating on something else. If my ankle was messed up, perhaps maybe I would have overcompensated. Not going to blame the shoe, but psychologically, the shoe had me thinking about things I shouldn't have been. Injuries do that to people as well. Well, you know what? That's very interesting. You talk about shoes. You talk about injuries. And, and a lot of times we hear people say, he's got, in fact, I, I heard uh, just recently as we were talking about RG3 and all the things that happened to him, I heard somebody say, I was looking for him, and this is a well-known sportscast. I heard him say, I was looking for him to show me that he found a way to work around the injuries, to work around the pain, to figure it out. And here's the thing that I've learned over the years. The mind can't overcome some of those things that physically you're not capable of doing. I don't care who you are. If I take a six-foot-four, uh, 250-pound six linebacker and I hit you in the knee and I dislocate your knee or I, or I place stress on a ligament, I don't care who you are and what mind preparation you do, that's going to affect you and your performance physically. You just can't do it. There is no such thing as mind over physical injury. There is mind over pain and discomfort, but there's definitely not a, a mental way to overcome an actual injury itself. So uh, so the injury, what you're, what you're saying is the injury is, is still relevant, still apparent, still there. Now, psychologically, you might be able to somehow take your mind off the and the focus off the pain. Correct. And think about something else, but the pain is still there, which leads me to something else. Uh, when when we think about things like that, as an example, I know what happens a lot in sports. I'm not going to say what the medication is, but but one thing they do is these players will go into a locker room, and next thing you know, they'll come out like Superman. You know, they they hobbled in or they the limped in, and so they just mask the the pain. That's all they're doing is masking it. But the pain and and the damage probably is getting worse. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. The, you mask the pain. You can put yourself at risk for greater injury, not just to the area that was experiencing pain, but to other areas. Because here's the thing. If you experience some trauma, okay, where somebody, uh, had, where you have a contact-related injury or some type of torque on one joint or another or a muscle strain, you might go out and, and continue performing. They come out, come, go into the locker room, come back out feeling like Superman, but there's a weakness in that area now as well. So even though you don't feel the pain, when you go to apply force on it, it gives. Mm. And the question is, is it going to give enough that you injured that particular area worse? Or do you unload it enough or keep enough stress off of it by shifting it to some other part of your body? Now, all of a sudden, you put that area at risk. And we call that an overload injury. Now, see, you're, you're, you're touching on something that you mentioned just briefly that you and I discussed prior to the show, and that was RG3. Yes. And uh, and I say that because I'm sure there was some medication involved in his ability to step out of that football field the last time we saw him on the field. And at the end of the game, you know, he, he tweaked it earlier. 
you know, but at the end of the game, he, he, he just, it was to the point where he couldn't even reach back to recover a fumble when he fumbled inside of his own five-yard line. When you think about players' health and safety, in your opinion, medically and just as, you know, a, a father, whose responsibility is it when it comes to making a decision on if a person should pursue and continue to play in an athletic event, regardless if it's professional or amateur, if there is a medical person, does that person have some obligation as a professional not to compromise himself, but to give the best medical evaluation of that person and make the decision? Or if that person, uh, can that person not be held liable for that? I, I, I just, from a professional's perspective, mm. want to hear that. And then from a father's perspective. Well, from a professional's perspective, l let me let me let me put this in check for us. And we only got okay. one minute. We may not get to answer all this, but let's start, and then I'll interrupt you if I have to. Okay. I'll tell you what, no, I don't want to interrupt you. We're going to do that because that's a good one, man, because there's so many people that listen to this show that have children. And then sometimes, you know, money money just kind of blinds everything. Absolutely it does. Even even in National Football League, because I believe a young man was hurt at the very end of that, that Falcon game and who stayed in for a couple of plays. I think money clouded the judgment of somebody. There's but but let us we're going to answer on the other side. And I believe on the other side, too, we're going to be joined by my man. Spencer the Wizard. And I'm going to tell Spencer about another wizard out there. He may not know about maybe too young to know about him, but it's another wizard in the house. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Zig Ziglar. That's right. Right in the studios with me. Come on back. We'll be right back. to the pros we, we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports so Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise or especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
Stewart. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I'm in the studio with Zig Ziglar, kinesiologist. I think I said that right. And uh, certainly a man who knows his business and knows a lot about injuries. Shortly, we're going to be joined on the show with us with Spence the Wizard. Spence is my man out there. And right outside of Philadelphia, a young man just loves sports and brings it every time and knows his stuff. I'm going to introduce him to the other Wiz, too, when he gets on. But before we went to break there, Zig, you know, again, I, I just want to I want to bring this subject up as many times as I possibly can because I got a lot of faithful listeners out there, but I also have new listeners. And, I, you know, sometimes I just think that people just compromise themselves, and particularly when they get around people who have two letters, three letters behind their names. You know, sometimes it's DR, sometimes it's, you know, it's ESQ, you know, whatever, CPA, and they forget that it's your son, it's your daughter, or it's your decision. But really, when it comes to athletics at any level, once an injury becomes involved, you know, should the decision be made by that professional medical person? And if so, um, you know, if he doesn't make the right decision, should he be held liable? And then when it comes to kids as a father, you know, do, you, do parents get involved in making those decisions for their kids at the sports level? Because the coaches and teams don't want to be compromised. But we're, looking about, we're talking about health and safety of individuals now. Well, I think, Ray, it's, it's not just parents. If, I, if you go back to what you said about you got the athlete, you got the coach, and typically you got some other medical professional or some other expert, because maybe it is somebody with ESQ behind their name. Maybe it's not sports. Maybe it's something else. But you got three people involved in a decision-making process, especially when it comes to an injury. At the end of the day, the responsibility of taking care of me, you, um, uh, the athlete themselves, our body, it's our responsibility first and foremost to take care of us. Sometimes, though, our own judgment gets clouded and we just want to go out and, in the words of RG3, uh, do what is best, what we think is best for our team because sometimes we overlook the the severity of the situation itself. And in the case of RG3, we heard RG3 say, look, I told the coach I was going to go back in. So the coach at but that But you point, and I know that you're right. When those players say that, that's, the, that's that old cliche. That's the environment that they're brought up in. We need to protect athletes from themselves many times. Absolutely. And so I, I think the athlete, and I'm going to say at all levels, need to be taken out of the decision-making process because, again, the mind is clouded. Yes. It, it's not making the right decision. And a lot of times... They're not informed with all the information. And that's the key, is they're not informed with all the information. If the athlete has all the information, and ego aside in particular, they'll make the right decision that's best for them in the long term. But the next person is you got to look and you got to say the coach is responsible as well. The coach has to know what is that athlete capable of, and am I seeing that athlete do things that are normal? Or like we were talking earlier, and you said, on that, on there was one play where RG3 came out of the game and he ran for nine yards, and he goes back to the sideline and says, "I'm all right. Put me back in." Would he have run for nine yards, or would he have run for 19 yards or 30 yards had he been healthy? Those are the things that, as a coach, you have to look at and say, "You know what? You did get nine yards." But you would have got more, so let me do something different. So now that's the coach taking some responsibility and knowing that his athlete is is performing subpar. 
Now you've got the medical doctor who's standing on the sideline or in the locker room evaluating people. That medical doctor has to step in, and also they have to be aware of what the capabilities are of that athlete as well. And they have to be able to say, you know what, I know you're out there running, but I can see that you're not running with a normal gait pattern. Because if you're running with a limp, I'm going to assume that there's something that's severely wrong. The pain that you're experiencing, you can't even mask. Right. Okay, so now the medical doctor, at the end of the day, ultimately has to step up and say, hey, coach, athlete, I don't care what the two of you say, I say something is not right based upon my experience. But the challenge is, Ray, most medical doctors don't have the experience to really know what's abnormal gait pattern. And I I, I agree with that, but I'm also going to say this, sometimes the purse influenced the thinking. Oh, yes, it does. And the purse string connected, if, if you're on the staff of the team. Yes, I think sometimes that can cloud your judgment and perhaps maybe, you know, not you, but some people will make the decision well, what's best for the team. And, I, you know, with, with that being said, I want to bring in my man, Spencer the Wizard. Spence, how you doing there, man? Hey, Ray. How are you? Man, I'm doing wonderful. I really couldn't wait to, to get you on this call so we could talk some football. And, and, of course, I got my man in here with me, Zig. And, 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 and Zig also knows sports. Zig is... Well, let me just say this. You know, sometimes people don't like to drop a lot of names. So if he doesn't drop them, I'm not going to drop them. But just go to his website and you'll find out he's worked with some of the best in the business. And one of the people that he's worked with is Anquan Bowden. And I want to ask you, you know, seeing Anquan Bowden and the Baltimore Ravens perform the way they did this past weekend, did you have the Ravens beating the Patriots, Spence? I actually did, believe it or not. Not a lot of people in my area were picking the Ravens. Mostly everyone I talk to is picking the Patriots, but, um, you know, I just look at this Ravens team, and I think that the most significant event of these playoffs has actually been Ray Lewis announcing his retirement before the playoffs have started because I looked at this team, and when Ray Lewis, such a motivator, this is his last go-around, and the, the Ravens are playing with urgency right now, and they're, they're an older and experienced team, and they really know that their time is running out, their window of opportunity is running out to win a Super Bowl. I looked at the play last week, the Jacoby Jones 70-yard play. Um, I just thought, well, this might sound silly, but I thought that it was destiny for this Ravens team to come out there, and I did pick them to beat the Patriots. And in a one-and-done format, when a team gets hot like that, when they get on a roll, uh, I really did pick the Ravens to win. It's just my gut feeling telling me that. I wasn't predicting a blowout, though, a 15-point win, definitely not. Well, let me just say this about uh, the Ravens. Is, is I told you earlier before we went to break, I believe you might have been on hold there listening, but I certainly share with the audience that there was another wizard I wanted to introduce you to, and he's not in the studios with me, but he's up in that head office down there in Baltimore, Maryland, and he's the general manager of, of, of the Ravens, and that is... Ozzie Newsom. Ozzie is the wizard. In case you don't know, Spence, there's another wizard out there, and we've always called Oz the Wiz, the Wiz of Oz. Right. And, and Ozzie had something where he put that team together. He's responsible for that talent. And I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to get on something that sometimes I think people fail to realize it's still a major part of the game, and that is there's a couple different ways that people can lead a football team. Sometimes you have those leaders that they call rah-rah leaders, and sometimes you have those people who, who lead by action. And then sometimes you have the beauty of having somebody who's a combination of both. And they understand just because they're not in the game, playing in the game, doesn't mean they can't have a role and inspire their team onto greatness. And I think 
Ray was able to do that. And 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 you know this, Zeke. You've seen some players that sometimes when they're injured, they stay away from their teammates. They don't get involved. They don't stay involved. They don't they don't encourage the person who's taken their position for an abbreviated period of time, hopefully, to be the best ball player he can. And sometimes if you motivate that player that people think, oh, man, it's going to be a huge drop-off. If you help educate that person and you get him inspired, he might play good football. And I'm sure you've seen those guys that you work with coming, trying to come off an injury. Man, their inspiration is something that keeps them motivated to get back on the field. Oh, it absolutely is. Because at the end of the day, when, when you've got an athlete that is, is coming off of an injury, and we all know from a, from, a, from a team standpoint, especially somebody like Ray Lewis, how motivational, how inspirational, how influential they are to the overall atmosphere of the team. When that person starts to get close, that makes you get hungrier. And you start to just fight that little extra more, that little bit more, to help make sure that when that player comes back on the field, you haven't skipped a beat. Well, let me add, I'm, I'm, I'm going to touch about some, another area. You know, and that, again, that, that is the, the subconscious mind and players getting mentally prepared for games. In your mind, how much do you think mental – when you see teams that seem to be flat – I mean, in, in your business, is that something in terms of trying to, to get an athlete? It's like, you know, do you motivate that guy when he comes in to your office and he's rehabbing an injury? Are you just like kind of lackadaisical? Or do you, do you raise the energy in there? Do you try to motivate that athlete? And does, does your role, you know, influence perhaps maybe that athlete coming back faster than he might? Because if you walk into an area where people just, hey, man, do what you want to do. You know you got to do this many reps. You got to, you know. Does inspiration play a part in recovery even? Well, it, it really does play a part in recovery. But one of the things that you have to do uh, from a rehab and from a training standpoint when you're working with an athlete is sometimes you have to mirror the athlete and their personality. Because if you come in and you're at a, at a 10 out of 10 in terms of your enthusiasm and that athlete is at a 1, 2, or a 3, your 10 is going to overpower them. And that may make them actually stay put. But if you, well, you, so your goal then is to go down to where they are sometimes and say, hey, look, I know you're down today, but we're going to take this one step at a time and we're going to move you to a four. But you can't move somebody from a three to a ten overnight. You have to get with them. Hey, Spence, I'm going to ask you this. When I was watching the game, Tom Brady, you know, did Tom seem like, I mean, Tom is an emotional guy. We've seen Tom go off on a coach on the sideline. We've seen Tom scream at players, holler at players from time to time. We've seen Tom pumping that fist when he scores a touchdown. Just think back now. You might not have thought about it before, but do you think Tom was really emotionally prepared for that game? I didn't see that fire that Tom Brady normally has on the, on the football field. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, as the fourth quarter was going on, you expected Tom Brady to be off the sidelines. You saw him sitting with his Patriots cap there on the sidelines. That's exactly he was, right, Spence. not even sitting close to any of the other players. That's right, Spence. Um, a play that was actually uh, pretty emotional, though, about Tom Brady was, um, I don't know if you saw this, but he did kick Ed Reed oh, yeah. <laughs> while he was sliding. So That was I dirty, man. That was dirty. Uh, I think that he was pretty much into the game. It just was in the fourth quarter. He kind of smelled defeat early. I, I do agree with you on that point. It looked like as the game was coming to a close, he just lost hope. Um, 
but I think that his, his mindset was there, his motivation was there, just towards the end, he didn't fight to the finish, really, in the last five minutes. Yeah, Spence, I think he was, he was pretty beat down. He'd watched what happened last week, um, the week before, to uh, the Broncos in Elway, and I think that that was part of, of what he was experiencing. Yeah, and you know what, it, it, it's just really wild to me, because I don't think I've ever seen Tom Brady like that. Never. I mean, I really haven't, because I can even remember, you know, a game back, because I talked to, again, off the air, Zig and I had some great conversation, and a rapid conversation because we had to get in the studio, but I remember when when the, when the uh, Patriots was playing uh, the Colts and Tom Brady and, and Peyton Manuel a couple years ago. Yep, a couple years yeah. ago. And 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 there was a little bit of time left in the game. The ball was deep into the Patriots territory, and and Tom Brady, you know, according to Bill Belichick, must have gave him instructions to throw a pass because they didn't want the ball to get into the hands. Of the great Peyton Manning over there, who they thought would do just what he did, as as my man here, uh, Denny Green, would say, they were or he did what we thought he would do. Okay, and so I was thinking that at that end of the game, where Tom made the worst kind of mistake I've ever seen him make, that he would make a normal Tom Brady play and be in the game. He was out of the game mentally. He was defeated early, and I'm saying that just at the end of the game, Tom Brady, where he's normally he's tuned in. He was just all over the place. He's worn down. It, I think that, that you also got to contribute um, that, of course, to the Ravens' defense. You saw Nada, Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs. They were getting hits on Tom Brady. And even before that, in the first half, Brady looked pretty clean, but his wide receivers were getting jammed. Hmm. They couldn't get down the field. And Brady really hasn't fared well at all versus this Ravens' defense. In fact, last year... Joe Flacco outplayed Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game. The Ravens yes. are just a different kind of beast. And, and Brady, it's not just Brady, but other quarterbacks have really struggled with Baltimore because of how physical they are. And I think that the hits really took a toll on Tom Brady. And, you know, you know, Spence, like Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan till you get smacked in the mouth. Get smacked in the mouth. <laughs> hey, we just got smacked in the mouth by the engineer. He told us we got to take a break. We're having a great conversation here. you got to be sure to come back. Tune in. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise. 
advisor, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Course in the studios with my man Zig Ziglar, kinesiologist, and Spence is a wizard, of course. Spence the wizard is on with us. Uh, Spence, let me ask you a question. Now we're going to move to another game. We saw the 49ers, of course, you know, go into the ATL and come out victoriously. Now, there were a lot of people that didn't think that was going to be possible, but Cap took his boys in there and they opened up a can on them. And, you know, it didn't start off that way. 17 zip. Did you panic at 17 zip and think, man, Caps in for a long day, and the 49ers don't look like they're going to make it? Or did you hold steady, or were you rooting for the Falcons because that's who you picked from the very beginning? Well, I actually picked the 49ers, but it's obvious that San Francisco did not plan on going in there and being down 17 to nothing. And you look at the quarterback, Colin Kaepernick, and you really just saw how mentally tough he was to be able to rally his troops I was very worried when they were down um, 17 to nothing because their defense was really, their secondary was completely out of the picture. Um, Julio Jones, Roddy White, Tony Gonzalez were just having a field day. And the, the 49ers offense, I knew that they could come back when I saw Kaepernick uh, score before the half. I thought that was really big when he was hitting Vernon Davis and when Michael James ran in that touchdown. When the 49ers um, were not getting stopped and were not getting three and outs, uh, I thought that they had a chance to come back. And the Falcons last week, I actually, you know, Russell Wilson was down um, by 20 points in the fourth quarter, and you saw this, the Falcons secondary being exposed. So you knew it was definitely possible for that to um, occur. Well, I got Zig in the studio, and Zig, I, you know, again, you know, the question is, who did you have going in? And once it was 17 zip, even if you had the Falcons, did you feel good about it? And if you didn't have them, would you a little worry? Oh, I had the 49ers and I turned it off. <laughs> oh, wow. It was disappointing. I thought it was over with. Yeah. And you know what, what, what? Here's what's really interesting about that is even though, you know, the Falcons have the ability, they do turn it up. They, when they turn the fire on, they turn it to high. They, they don't turn it, you know, slowly turn it on. They turn it on high and they accelerate and they've got some points on the board. But like Spence said, you know, just week previously, and I'm sure because I've been in a situation like that before, the coach is always going to remind, hey, guys, they were down before. You know, they've been here before. You know, these guys, you know, they're fragile. They got that bend but don't break kind of defense. And I'm just going to say this. I think there's no doubt about it that they went in with a game plan. That's the 49ers. They went in with a game plan, and they changed their game plan. And it's a good thing they changed their game plan because the game plan that they went in with 
was the right one because what, what the Falcons did is the Falcons did actually think that Cap was going to be running that ball, that he was going to hold on to the ball. It was obvious that the linebacker had outside contain. Don't you let that quarterback break contain. Keep your eye on him at all times. And, and he never touched him. And so when I watched that, I, I just thought they were probably going to try to set him up because there was a couple times where he could have pulled it out and went around the corner. But here's what I want to say, what amazed me so much, is that the young man has shown that he is a quarterback. And I don't know why, you know, people have, you know, you know, when they think about quarterbacks, you think about a running quarterback or a throwing quarterback. No. When we go back to our childhood days, a quarterback was the best athlete on the field. I'm going to repeat that again from last week's show. He could do everything. I don't know when quarterbacks lost their ability to run, but this young man just showed he stayed in the pocket. He played the quarterback position the way it's supposed to be played. I'm supposed to throw the ball if I have enough time. If I don't have enough time, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to still scramble a little bit and try to find an open receiver. But I think he did an excellent job. If, if, if you will comment on, on that for me, Zeke, I think he did an excellent job of playing that quarterback position. You know, on, I think you, you hit the nail right on the head because if and. If we go back to, and, and I'm close to your age, I'm uh, not quite there, but I'm close, okay? Um, I'm happy I'm still here, man. <laughs> but if we go back to my days of, of, of sandlot football or parking lot football in the church parking lot on Saturday, Sunday uh, afternoon or snow bowl, the quarterback was the best athlete on the field. Sometime in the early 90s, the quarterback became the athlete who could throw the ball the best and who could read, react, respond uh, to those passing defenses. We became a throwing quarterback-dominated sport. Now what we're seeing is that the quarterback in college sports and in professional sports is the best athlete on the field. That's what we got to have. You look at the guys like Cam Newton. You look at the RG3s. Those are guys that are quarterbacks. They're not running quarterbacks. They are quarterbacks. And, and I, I'm, I'm going to throw, throw Aaron Rodgers in there, too. Aaron, absolutely. Aaron can run, you know, and will make you look bad about it. You know, give you that discount double check, you know, after, <laughs> you know, after he runs the ball a little bit. But I'm, I'm glad you say that because I, I believe it's time to get back to the point where as the quarterback is the best athlete on the field. And, and running because, you know, I – I don't think they'll mind it because they they were both very 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 good football players, but their lack of, of their lack of the ability to run the ball it it did kind of um, a little bit handicap the team and that was Bernie Kosar back in the day and Ron Jaworski. I mean Ron could if Ron could run away from Lawrence Taylor, believe me he would, but but he couldn't and so it, it compromised the team a little bit when your quarterback and it does if your quarterback can't run. Well, you know? well I just think it's important to note that for a quarterback, you, you really um, you have to be able to throw the ball first and then if you can you should be able to run the ball. And you look at Colin Kaepernick and Cam Newton, I think that they're effective in running the um, the pistol and the read offense just because of their height and their strength. I mean, these are two freak athletes that we haven't really seen play the quarterback position because of their speed and because of their height. And you look at a smaller guy like Michael Vick or Russell Wilson or even RG3, they should remain more pocket passers. But I look at Kaepernick and Newton and put them in a whole nother league because of their physical strength. And I just got to give Kaepernick so much credit because 
he just came off 175 yards versus Green Bay, but he completely took his ego out of the game plan and handed it to Gore. And it looked like as the quarterback was handing it to the running back, it kind of reminded me of arena football of Frank Gore. It looks like he has a head start out of that pistol, and he really has enjoyed the switch to that offense. So I, well, I just wanted to point that well, out. Well, uh, I'll tell you this, man. I, Spence, i got to disagree with you on one thing. Nothing like the 49ers that I saw on Sunday reminded me of arena football. <laughs> That's just way too good for that. But the rest of that analysis, I agree with. You know, but, but one thing I will say about that quarterback position is is the fact that that's exactly right. A quarterback should be able to throw the ball. After all, if you're just going to hand it off, anybody can hand the football off. But it's, but it's that quarterback's ability. But I but what's so special about this young man, and 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 of course the other quarterbacks that are very good this year. I'm not going to call them great. I'm, I'm going to call them that's been very good this year because greatness is not just achieved in one season. But his sense of accuracy. And look mm-hmm. at his balls. Yes. I mean, yeah. one thing the NFL has been able to do is been able to hone in on that ball, and you actually see that it's a tight spiral. Oh, yeah. That on young man's throwing some very he, tight spirals on the rope. to Vernon Davis were just, um, it, it was, he was surgical with the football. Out of Nevada, I had a huge question mark on his accuracy. He was, he was drafted in the fourth round for a reason. You knew he could run, but... He kind of reminded me of Joe Webb out of UAB. You didn't see him actually having the throwing mechanics, and that's all Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is a quarterback innovator, so you got to give him a lot of credit, too. He took on this project, and he's one of the best to ever coach quarterbacks. Well, now let me ask this question, too. I, I may be mistaken because I've been hitting my head a few times as well, but uh, Jim Harbaugh, uh, quarterback himself, am I right? That's correct. Oh, that's oh, what yeah. I thought. So that, you know, a lot of people have, Great I've not heard that in the conversation. When you think about a man who made a decision to pull the trigger, he's a quarterback. Now, Jim went, at Michigan, they ran a little bit, but he wasn't running the ball a lot. He understood that he had a complete quarterback here, and this man made a, a, a decision that, I, you know, let, let's talk about that a little bit. When you, when you think about that, Zig, you know, a lot of people saying now he's a genius, but when he when he did that, I'm not sure a lot of people were happy that he made that decision. No, but you know what? There are a lot of similarities though between Jim as a player and the quarterback that he who's back he his road into the Super Bowl here. They were both tough, uh, um, go, ready to go into battle type quarterbacks, type athletes. And one of the things I think, and we just barely touched on it, uh, and that's that athleticism that we're seeing. One of the things that we haven't talked about, and a lot of people don't like to talk about this, because we've gotten into specializing in positions and specializing in sports. You're talking about a quarterback that is an athlete, and we're seeing a lot of different players, a lot of different athletes who have gotten the opportunity to now branch out and gotten more diverse in the sports that they play. And that's one thing that actually helps them on the field. Oh, yeah, I believe in that. I believe that there are athletes, some of the greatest athletes that ever play any sport, on multiple sport athletes, and I, I'm totally against. As a matter of fact, there's a there's a, a fine young man, a little younger than I am. No, he's actually a little older than I am. But Sonny Hill, the great Sonny Hill in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I remember one time when I was a kid, and I, I meant no disrespect to Sonny, but Sonny believed in specialization of kids in terms of athletics at a very early age. I disagreed with that. That hurts him because I felt that you know I didn't even know Michael Jordan's you know 
baseball background. You know, I, I didn't know, you know, LeBron James is, you know, was go- in the future was going to be, you know, was a great wide receiver in high school, right. you know, and, and then went on to be one of the greatest basketball players ever. I knew that I had played multiple sports, and that actually helps. So I agree with you. And I think that's when you see all these defensive linemen, there are defensive linemen that have been running backs, quarterbacks, tight ends in high school. You know, things change. And so, and, and just keep op- keep your mind open, coaches. Keep your mind open. You never know where your great player may be. He may be in the wrong position. Listen, I'm in the right position. I'm in a position to take a break because my man D said we got to go. So, listen, we're going to take this last break. I'm going to put my two friends on the spot. I want to know, just like the world wants to know, who's going to win the game? That's the bottom line. Don't be scared. Go ahead and tell me who's going to win the game. You've got some sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters, and it matters Who's going to win the Super Bowl? We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga race course. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, we're back. You're listening to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Finney's Living Like It Matters. The 13th annual player networking event will take place on Saturday, just prior to the Super Bowl. At the Sheraton in New Orleans, we will be broadcasting live, both Internet radio and Internet TV. So you can listen to us right here on the Voice America Network. That will be, of course, at from 2 to 6 p.m. And then VoiceAmerica.tv, you'll be able to watch us live from, uh, I think that's going to go from about 7 to 9. And uh, those times are Eastern Standard Times. So you have to convert that time, if you will. But I'm back. Listen, you listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network, as I said earlier. And before I went to break, what's important? What's important is who is going to win the Super Bowl. Now, I would like to go ahead as fast as I can and tell you why I think 
somebody's going to win the game. But I'm not going to do that because I'm a gracious host. And I, I've got some friends with me. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it according to the youngest, and then we'll get to the oldest. So my man Spence the Wizard. Spence, now come on. Let's be honest. You told me one thing off the air. Go ahead and change your mind. Who do you believe is going to win this football game and why? Because I might call you back next week to see if you got a different story. But go ahead, Spencer. Tell me why you think whoever yeah, I, you I know it's still early in the process, but I'm pretty firm on this answer. And I've really been riding the Baltimore Ravens the, the whole playoffs. I actually predicted Green Bay would come out of the NFC. And I've been impressed by what the 49ers have been doing, especially with dealing with adversity last week with Colin Kaepernick. But I look at this game and – the emotional side of things, it, it's really Ray Lewis's time. The motivation in Baltimore is so high. Ed Reed wasn't on that 2000 Super Bowl team. And you look um, by the numbers, San Francisco only has really one wide receiver in Michael Crabtree that the Ravens have to watch out for, and then Vernon Davis. So they only have one wide receiver, and... Oh, wait, 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 one second now. Spence. Very tough playoffs. Um, they shut down Peyton Manning in overtime. They figured him out, made him throw um, two costly interceptions. And then Tom Brady last week, they got after him and pounded him. Experience factor, the Ravens. Spence. Joe Flacco has been in the big game. He, he's, again, he's, he's tied for the most road playoff wins ever out of any quarterback. He's been there before. He shut. He shone under the bright lights, and I think that it's just too early for Kaepernick. I don't think wow. it's his time yet. Baltimore's de- team is experienced, and San Fran is still very young, and they will be back. Baltimore's going to want it more, and they're going to come out there, and they're going to win the game. It's going to be a high-scoring game because both of these offenses are quick-striking offenses that – they can really hurt you with one big play. They're not like the Patriots that are methodically going to move down the field and take up a lot of time. It's going to be an entertaining game. I'm going to go Ravens 28-17. The MVP will be Ray Lewis, last game of his career, a la Michael Strahan. Well, let me just say this, Spence. I can't believe there's one man that you did not mention you didn't show any love for, and I can tell you when they were down in the red zone, I saw Randy Moss come off that ball, catch the ball across the middle, and try to turn it up to score. I can't believe you didn't see him as perhaps maybe the quiet factor in the equation. No love for Randy Moss? You're right. Randy does have experience. He hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. But this season, Randy Moss hasn't really been that much of a factor. He, He did play well last week, but... I just see him kind of as an aging wide receiver that he just wasn't really that involved with the offense, but it's definitely something to watch out for. You're right about that. Okay, well, i got to turn to Zig because wow. I think Zig, well, he, I think he's on the opposite side of the fence on that one, Zig. You, you heard, I mean, he certainly made a compelling argument for his position, but in response to that, you say? I tell you, you're very compelling, Spence, but I think the clock is about to strike midnight for Cinderella. And Ray Lewis is going to go home without glass slippers. Ooh, wow. I'm, I'm sorry to Explain, say that. Explain. Please elaborate. Now, here's here's the thing. I agree with everything that you said in terms of what uh, uh, the, the the Ravens are capable of bringing to the table in terms of experience, a quarterback experience, and a dominating defense. However, I don't think it's the time for that Harbaugh to win a championship. I think the championship goes not to Ray Lewis and the, and the other Harbaugh brother, but it goes to that Harbaugh in San Francisco and the things that he has done over the last couple of years, three years in particular with that with that team. So 
you say that the 49ers only have one right receiver. I agree. Randy Moss just might step up. But at the end of the day, it's not more than one ride receiver that you need. It's more than one option that you need. And what the San Francisco 49ers have is they have an option at quarterback that's that's completely different than what the Ravens have in Flacco. They have an option at wide receiver in Crabtree. They have an option in Gore that you didn't mention at all and what role he's going to play. And you talk about having a tight end that's going to, that can catch that mid ball, that ball across the middle of the field and turn it into a, a, a long scoring drive. Man, I think you missed the boat just a little bit on what the 49ers are really bringing to the table. Well, you know, when I, you know, one thing about it, you know, I spoke to somebody last week and, and I talked to them in terms of, you know, options and weapons. And the one thing about it is that running game. When you rely on that running game so heavily, you know, the running game, it gives you one option. And that is that person with the football has either the chance and the ability to break a long one or certainly to matriculate the ball up the field. When you have a passing attack, you, you know, you bring many options into the play. You've got all your skill position players, your wide receivers, your tight ends, those out of the backfield. I really see both of these teams. I, I truly do. I think the secondaries, there's going to be a lot of pressure on both secondaries because you've got two guys who can throw the ball. Uh, you've got, you know, multiple, you know, uh, receivers that, that are very extremely talented. You got, you got, you really got, you got all pros all over the field, you know, and, and the thing about it, I think the secondary, when you look at Ed Reed and, and, and what he's doing and what he's accomplishing in the secondary, and, and then you look at this, the 49ers, the 49ers made a couple mental mistakes, uh, in that breakdown against, uh, you know, last week. I, I saw them a couple mental mistakes against the Falcons, but they got them corrected. You know, they made them early and they got them correctly. I think it's going to be tough. I'll tell you who it's going to be tough on. We didn't even talk about this part. It's going to be tough on the parents. Spence, just give me an idea, man. If you, <laughs> if you were a father or a mother, particularly a father who is responsible, you know, who directly attributed to the football IQ of these two young men, you know, I heard last week the mom and dad stayed at their home in their own comfort zone with no company and watched the game. If it were your kids playing in this Super Bowl, would you do the same thing and stay home and watch the game, or would you go in an environment amongst, you know, everybody else and enjoy the football game? How do you think you might do, you might approach that? Well, um, my, my wife would be... Uh would be standing on the 49ers sideline, she'd be seated there, and I would be on the Ravens. I wouldn't be that emotionally attached to the game. And one way or another, I would just keep the message pretty simple. I'd congratulate the kids on just making it to the Super Bowl. And after the game, I wouldn't really be too joyous one way or the other. Uh, I would just be pretty uh, level-headed about it, uh, not that over-emotional. I think it's definitely easier, like Peyton and Eli Manning, when they could just root for one side, of course, to win the game. But again, I would put, you know, my wife on the other sideline, and and I would sit and uh, and and just not and just watch the game at, with pretty much a neutral rooting in. Spoke, spoken like a true wizard. Listen, uh, okay, Zig, you got thirty seconds, man. Answer that same question. How, how would you handle that? You know. I know how I would handle it, but but more importantly, I think it's how the Harbaugh's are going to handle it. In that household, very aggressive, very competitive. I think the Harbaugh parents are going to do. They might just stay home. That's, yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, I think I think that was so classy the way they did that last weekend. And I'm going to tell you, as as somebody who is the son of of somebody who's gone on to heaven or parents who've gone on to heaven, 
uh, I don't I don't know how I would handle that. I mean that that is so emotional. Just a game in itself. Yes. And then you when you've got two kids. But I tell you one thing that they could take joy in is when it's all said and done, that hardball name is gonna be on that trophy. One way or the other, it's gonna be on that trophy. And I, I'm not going to tell you who's going to win because I still got a show to do next week. Spence, I'm going to invite you to come back next week if you have time. I know you're a busy young man, but I want to thank you for joining me. Be sure to holler out to my man, my friend, and that's Bruce the Sports Doc. Thank you so much, Wiz. Thank We're going to let you go. Oh, man, my, my pleasure. And as always, you've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I want to thank my man, Zig Ziglar, who is a kinesiologist. And the website is, again, real fast, Z-I-G-Z-I-E-G-L-E-R.net. And I will see you next time, which will be the best time. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.